If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're back to the Gospel of John again today. It's been a wonderful study and a wonderful look at at Jesus as he gets presented over and over to us. And It's one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. I don't know if you have read it very often or looked at it, but it's when Jesus from heaven, specifically Jesus, reached down and made somebody blind. Do you remember that one? Amazing there in Acts chapter 9, chapter 10, where, where Paul, right, this great blinding light he saw, and then he was struck blind. The blindness wasn't a, a, a sort of a judgment or something. It was God telling him, right, that he was spiritually blind. He'd been persecuting Christians, and this is where Paul came face to face and realized, oh, no, I'm the man. I've done such wrong, and Jesus is my only hope Blindness, it's a sign a lot of the times. And in the Bible, many, many times over and over, it's a sign for not understanding or not getting it or not seeing rightly. It's not just physical sight, like I'm not getting the photons of the light from the sky. It's, it's this idea that you don't quite see. And when I say spiritually, that's kind of a word without meaning. You don't spiritually see. Well, think about it like your logic is off. Your sense of self is wrong. Your viewpoint of yourself and the world isn't what it should be. And if I tell you that today, you're going to go, yeah, but I see. And that's kind of the point of today. We don't see very well, including after conversion, our daily lives. And, and we get to see today from this amazing passage what that is. You know, we think we see and so we're blind. And so my question for you is, do you see? So, of course I do. But do you? Essential humility, you know, it's not something that we work on. It's not something that we say, oh, I'm going to develop a character trait. It's this idea of this is what Christianity is, that Jesus Christ has come. And, and I see enough to see him. And then I'm tempted always, you know, to take myself out of the humble blind category into the seeing category. And that's great. So what do you see? I stop seeing myself as needy and blind. I start seeing myself as worthy. I start seeing myself as strong, safe. So receiving this gift and receiving, that's really humbling. And then I want to be the one giving. I want to be the one improving. I want to be the one climbing. And when people are critical of me, I get defensive. I want to critique other people from a position of strength, logic. And so we're back to this idea that, that it's really actually important. And underneath these things is what do you see and who are you and, 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 and how do you think of yourself? So, for example, I have a wife who comes in and says, you know, She's super critical of her husband who's sitting there. And she says, you know, he's not a leader. He doesn't do his devotions. I do my devotions every day. And this guy won't do a thing. He's not leading our family. He's not telling me how to be a better wife. That may all be true, right? But she's speaking from a position of 
strength. I do that. I'm okay. They're not. Or a dad. Critical of his kids. Man, this generation and my kids, they're so lazy. They don't do anything. They just hang around the house. I get up early in the morning and leave and go work all day and then I come home late at night. All they do is lie around. Okay? Valid critique, right? Real thing. From a position of strength. Of course, he's gone all day. When does he spend time with the family? Well, don't talk about that. You see, everywhere we go, we we argue and we look at things and we try and push people towards doing things based on my expectations of what they should do. How are you thinking of yourself? That's what this morning's about. That's what the Bible, Jesus, goes after in ways that should strike our heart. We are so needy all the time. And we've got this amazing Savior. He forgives. And He forgives us. Okay. This is where we're going. Because our, our trouble is always at the root. We know we receive Jesus and receive him as a gift. We don't realize that our sight is to see him. To receive and wonder, not to navigate us into better us's or them into better thems's. I want to remind you what's going on so far. We're in John chapter 9. So if you want to turn there, in John chapter 9 so far, you know, Jesus has set up and done amazing things. His presentation of Jesus for us. He's entered into our lives even though we're sinners. If you go all the way back in John, he's made wine out of water at a drunken party. He's he's entered into the world of an immoral Samaritan woman. He's fed teeming masses of people just because he wants to. He's healed the sick. He's made the lame walk by his work alone. And last week he made a blind man see. He did it in the most amazing way. He did it by spitting in the dirt, remember, and making mud and pasting it on the guy's eyes and then sending him to the pool of Siloam, sent by the temple there where he would wash and receive his sight. <laughs> the man washed it and he saw it. Nobody believed him. We saw that at the end of last week, but it was undeniable. He'd been blind from birth, made to see by Jesus. So last week we kind of focused on that, our, our inability and Jesus' ability. And he does it all, made to see, you know, including this, the intervening. He saw the blind man. He went after him. Like the one leaving the lost and fi- leaving all the sheep that are found and finding the lost one. So we got into this mindset of us being the blind and our hope being that Jesus would make us see and not that we make ourselves see. And what a wonder that he has. He has, right? Guys are here. We're here to worship Jesus. He's made us see. Imagine what it was like for that blind man, or maybe for you, when we saw, wow, look, there's a tree. I always wonder what a tree looks like. Oh, that's a palm tree. Oh, because it has the fluffy fronds and the bird. Oh, look, that's a house. That's what a wall looks like. Just everywhere he went, something new, something wondrous, right? A bird. The gift of sight, and it's his forever, and everyone who should receive this gift should be amazed. And I still get that way. I don't know. We have a couple people in our body who take pictures, and sometimes I see them on Facebook. They're, they're amazing pictures of, of wildlife, and they're, wow, God made that. We should just be in this one. 
We don't stay there. That's the irony. And there's, if you guys know irony at all, irony is sort of like what you expect doesn't happen and what you don't expect happens is heavy in this passage today. God, God is a God of irony. Because the blind see, and the seeing are blind, and the scholars are fools, and the moral are evil. And, and the point is very important. Humility. Receive the gift and don't push yourself up and what you need, you can't get it. It's got to be given. Okay, that's what I want to go into. That's a long introduction. Try and poke you a little bit so that you go, whoa, okay, we're going to talk about something that might be hard for me to take in. I might be prone to get defensive. Who is this Jesus? Okay, so this is made to see part two because the rest of the passage we look at today and the first I want to have enter in and enter the blind. So our scene comes up, and here comes the group of real blind people. Of course, it's the Pharisees. Remember, we have, I'm the man, I'm the man, echoing in our ears. The neighbors finally actually believing it's this blind man who Jesus has made to see miraculously. Wow. So we open today with this, verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. I can't read this without thinking the man formerly known as Prince. <laughs> the man formerly blind. <laughs> he sees, he sees. His whole identity was he was blind, and he's not that anymore. So he's coming in front of the Pharisees, the wise, the lawkeepers, the moral, the religious, the ones who are in charge. And we're told one more fact here that's kind of important. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Oh, no. Jesus, what are you doing? Because he had to do that on purpose. It's like, oh, well, it just happened to be that day. No, it happens too often for it to just be that day. Jesus is doing something particular because he could have done it the day before or the day after. Any other day that week, the guy's been blind since birth. So Jesus particularly, because he's a sign that he wants us to see, he did this work of healing on the Sabbath. Sabbath day when Jesus worked to heal the man, he's making mud. It even says there in the text, right, when he made the mud to emphasize that they're going to take that as work, breaking the Sabbath, not what it should have done. Think with me why, will you, just for a second? Before we go any Think with me why. Why is it that God's acting outside their comfort zone? Why is it their understanding of what's right and true is getting pushed? I'm just going to leave it there. By the end, I hope you see, even for us. Okay, so verse 15. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Yep, that's how it happened. <laughs> Clear representation actually occurred. But you don't feel the sense of the question. They're probing. What are they probing? Did Jesus work? How did this happen to you? I know you just received the healing. What did he do? Well, he put mud on me. 
So the Pharisees begin to use their logic, and their logic leads them astray. Because they say in verse 16, Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such a thing? Such signs. There was division among them. They're arguing from what they know, right? God gave the law. This is not, not, it's not bad logic. I, I don't think. So God gave the law. We know that. And, and if someone goes against it, they're accursed. They're not from God. And so here's this Jesus guy. He's going against the Sabbath. If he were from God, he would have accommodated that. He could have worked around it very easily. He didn't. Logic. He's not from God. The other group is just kind of blown away by the miracle. It's really amazing. So they start there, and then they logic the issue is, how can this sinner do these signs? So they're not doubting that he's a sinner. He's a person. But I wonder how God could actually do these things. That's an amazing miracle. And So we need to explore how does God work with sinners like this dude. Both approaching logically from what they observe or what they know. And what they know is wrong. Because we know from the text already, right? Jesus is the Messiah. He's God's son. He's fully man. He's fully God. So, so they turn back to the man formerly known as the blind man. He said again to the blind man, well, What do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? He said, He's a prophet. Okay, he did this great thing for you. What do you think? I think he's a prophet. That's a good man connected to God, telling truth from God because this is a good work, so it must be a good man. He he doesn't know. He can see, but he doesn't get Jesus right. Jesus is not a prophet. Jesus is the Messiah. He's using his logic too. But he can see. Now, he doesn't see very clearly, does he? Actually, you know, the most logical thing when faced with this sort of thing, if, if you get faced with it, and I've been faced with it, sometimes people, as in Africa and some product, hey, look, this amazing healings happen. The first thing I would always do with my logic, I'm a Western thinker, I'm an, a trained physician, I start to poke holes in the miraculous healing. You've been to a healing thing and healing service, and someone gets, oh, well, I'm going to heal someone. They lay their hands and they get healed. What did they really do? Start questioning whether it was really a miracle, whether it really happened. So maybe it was all sleight of hand. So I know maybe they did. They got somebody who looks a lot like the blind man, and they swapped him. Take the blind guy, dress the other guy up like the blind guy, swap him out. Instant miracle. He can see. So that's where they go, right? That's what they're doing. Jews did not believe he, the blind man had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who'd received his sight. They asked them, is this your son really? Come on. Who was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, well, we know it's our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. 
he will speak for himself. So enter the parents. Yep, that's him. I birthed him. He was born blind. And now, well, he's seeing now. We don't know how. It's almost comical in their simplicity. You say, why are they being so simple? Because they know the temperature of the room. It's quite high. Right? His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said he's of age. Ask him. Well, where is confessing Jesus as a Christ anywhere in here? The blind man saying he's a prophet. That's not the Christ. They're just afraid. I mean, obviously, he's seeing. You can ask him. He was there. We don't want anything to do with this. Okay, so there's the blind people. What are the blind people doing? They're sitting there questioning the miracle. They don't believe in Jesus. They're trying to tear him down. They think they see because they have the law, but they don't really. Here's the one who's God-made flesh. Jesus Christ, the incarnation, and these otherwise very smart, very learned people, they can't see it because they're blind. And Jesus is highlighting this. Why? Because he's healing on the Sabbath. It pokes at them. It's going to trigger them. But put yourself in their shoes for a minute. Think for yourself. Think when you see somebody do something that doesn't seem to be right in accord with the law. Clearly they're a sinner. Clearly they can't be of the Lord. It's uncomfortable. The only place I can go really say, well, you see, they're not interpreting it rightly, and really Jesus never broke the law. He's all perfect, so, so their interpretation of the law is wrong. Yeah, that's cool. What's your interpretation of the law? Well, my interpretation is always right on, because I have Jesus. You know how many denominations there are in America, all of whom say they have Jesus and think differently about different interpretations of the Bible? What's Jesus doing? Why is he doing this? What are we supposed to learn? What are we supposed to see? Well, we've got to keep going. We need to examine the sighted. Now we go to the, 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 let's look a little bit more. It continues on. But think about the blind man who kind of sees. He's been healed. Jesus did it. Well, let's keep looking. So, for the second time, verse 24, they called the man who'd been blind. They said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They do. Yeah, he broke the Sabbath, according to them. So really the focus is on evaluating sin. This whole focus in this last half of the chapter, evaluating sin. Jesus is a sinner because he was working on the Sabbath. So give glory to God. It's really cool that you got healed. Give glory to God, not to this guy. There's a big problem for us, the readers of this text, because I have an objection. He is God. He answered, the blind man did. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So so you're above my pay grade, the guy says. right? The seeing man says, I don't know about sin. I know that I see. I've received something tangible. That's what I testify to. And, and, and yeah, I know that I, I, don't, I don't see that stuff, whether he's a sinner or not. I see that I can see. How did he do that again? 
So they said to him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, well, I've told you already. And we go through it again. Mud on the eyes, going to the pool, washing. You wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> are, you, are you on his side? Are you adhering to what he says? No. They reviled him, right? They said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. See, this is where the divide comes in, right? We know Moses. We know the law. We know the traditions. We understand the Ten Commandments. We get the histories, but we don't trust Jesus. We don't know where he comes from. So, I mean, really, are they the keepers of the door? Why are they the judges? But before you spit on them, think about yourself. Does we get this way? What do I mean? We have the scriptures. I got my Bible. I can tell you what the right thing is. I can tell you the way to read it. They do too, right? They've got the only written scriptures that exist, the Torah. The New Testament hasn't been written yet. Jesus is standing there. They're going to write the Gospels about Jesus. We're reading it. But they're in real time interacting with Jesus, and they've got the Scriptures. And they say, we've got the Scriptures. We just don't know about you. The way that they read it, the, the, they think that Jesus doesn't fit. And, and Jesus doesn't fit their reading of it. Here's this amazing sign, though. You can't deny this amazing thing that just happened. This man blind from birth, and he sees. What do you say about that? That's what the man answers, right? Why this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone's a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. The guy's actually quoting the Bible. From Isaiah, it says, Lord, hears those who are his. He's using their own logic. He's trying to show them, how can you know? Here's the logic. He opened my eyes. God had to do it. It's the hugest miracle ever. So he must have asked God for it. And so God heard it And because I see. And therefore, he must be a worshiper of God. And he must be doing God's will because he's healing me. That's the thought, right? Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. That's a telling piece, right? You're getting a picture because Jesus did this on the Sabbath and he did it on purpose so you would see the problem and it would be written down and our own hearts would be exposed. They double down. You were born in utter sin. You were born blind, judged, sinner, suffering consequences. You don't have any standing to judge me. I've always functioned correctly. I've always lived under the law. You don't teach me 
That's what they say, right? Ouch. What's the problem? The problem is how they see themselves. Right? They don't see themselves as in the same boat as the blind man, as the leper, as the adulterer, as the whore, as the murderer, as the dirty, as the homeless, as the drug addict, as the loser. They're better. They're more fit to lead. They've internalized a certain view of leadership, of of goodness, of rightness, and they're, they're it. It's not intellectual. It's moral. It's self-righteousness, and it infects everybody. No, they say to him, no. That's a word for you, they say to this ex-blind man. They say, shut up. That's a bummer. It kind of exposes hearts. I, I feel like it does. They're, the seeing blind man is still lost in sin, but, but, but at least he's open. We're still kind of looking at him. He's, he, he's being accused of not, not understanding and not knowing. And we know he doesn't fully know because he says Jesus is a prophet. But he's maybe, so, so uh, what's going to happen? And so we see this amazing thing of how people are exposed. Because Jesus heard that they'd cast out the man formerly blind. And and having found him, that's an amazing, having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? This is an amazing scene. The guy gets kicked out. He's nothing. He's nobody. They kick him out. And it's like, you're gone, buddy. And they, they throw him out. And Jesus comes and finds him. He'll come and find the Pharisees. This is amazing. I can't underemphasize it. He, he doesn't go find Jesus. Jesus finds him. Jesus seeks and saves the lost. And this man is humbled and cast out and seeing, not thinking he's been improved morally, not thinking he's now in the right. He's just, he's talking about what's true and Jesus finds him. Like Peter at the end of John, right? Jesus comes to him. Do, do, do you believe in the Son of Man? I have no idea what you're talking about. Son of Man is a thing used in John a lot, referring to Jesus as fully man and fully God. It's, it's, it's a term that you can find in Daniel specifically. It talks about the one looking like the Son of Man, who's the Messiah, the Savior. It's a wonderful title for Jesus. So Jesus tells him, you know, the man, asks him, first of all, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? You've got to be a little careful as you go through the translation here. I don't know why they did this. The first one says, I, I, I don't know, sir. Sir means Lord. It's the same word as Lord. But both of these words are translated differently in the two verses. I have no idea why. They shouldn't be. It just says, he says, I, 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 he says who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He sees Jesus as his guy. He's a disciple. Of, but he doesn't understand Jesus as Messiah. And Jesus says to him, you've seen him. And it's he who is speaking to you. It's me. I am the son of man, says Jesus. Before Abraham was, I am. He said that last chapter. I am the one. And so the man says to him, Lord, it's the same sir word. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. 
I think this is one of the sweetest moments in John because right here he's trusting Jesus. He's worshiping Jesus. He's loyal to Jesus. Jesus reveals himself, and he hasn't hardly done this at all. The disciples don't get this yet. The other disciples, Peter's not getting this yet. Remember what Jesus said just just a couple weeks ago in our passages of John? He says he, he said that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Case one. I don't know much, but I'm trusting Jesus and what he's done for me. I see it laid out. He's done this for me. I'm not even sure exactly who Jack can't understand all this stuff, but I trust it. And you'll get the truth. And here's the truth. Jesus coming and telling him, I'm the Messiah. And it sets him free. Free? What do you mean free? He already sees. Yeah, look what Jesus says. He says, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. Don't miss this. We've gone the whole story so we can get here. If you're sleeping, wake up. Because now Jesus is talking and he's saying the thing that you need to hear. This is why he came. Judgment comes. So, well, Jesus didn't come to judge the world. He said that already in John chapter 3. That's right. He came to save the world. But, but there are blind and there are seeing. He's not going to be received everywhere, right? He brings sight to those who don't see. The world doesn't see. That, that's, that's his judgment. If you're blind, if you're lost, if you're not seeing, Jesus brings the gift. He's the light of the world. But if you see, that's the other side. You become blind. Uh, cataracts? You know, that's people see and they slowly become blind. No, he's not talking about cataracts. Right? He's not talking about slow. He's talking about spiritual blindness, right? He's talking about people who think they see, but they don't. Who proclaim that they see. Because, look, some of the Pharisees, right there, he's going to give you a case because you don't understand, and it's hard to understand. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and they said to him, are we also blind? Yeah, exactly. You're the example of the blind people. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. The blind see. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. So you've got to understand this. And by the way, you've got to get it right, too. Again, I don't know what the ESV is doing. Guilt. The word for guilt there in the text is sin. It's not guilt. The word for your guilt remains is sin. It's the same word. Hamartos. You've probably heard it before. It just means sin. And so, so really, what Jesus, if you're blind, you'd have no sin. How in the world can blind people have no sin? Uh, we just had the story of the blind man. What happened? Jesus found him. Jesus opened his eyes. Jesus saved him. Jesus Christ is going to the cross and has to shed his blood on the cross that will cover every sin that's ever happened to any person ever. We stand with a clean conscience because our sins are covered by Jesus. 
Because I didn't see, I had no, no idea. And, and, and here Jesus reveals himself to those that I'm so far off, I have no idea. And But then there are people, Jesus says, who say, you know, I see already. I got this. I know the Ten Commandments. I know what people ought to do. I know how society ought to be. I'm going to make it like it should be. And I'm, I'm right there at the top, man. Those people become blind. I don't mean to beat this to death. But this is amazing that Jesus takes away sin from people who are blind, who have no ability to see, no pride in their own achievement, no trust in their own righteousness, no claim to judge, no be better, no establish their own way. And yet if you think you have that, if you think you have any standing, any sway, any self-merit, any self-advancement, then your sin remains. I, I think that's that that's got to sink in. It's one of the main pieces of what it means to be a Christian. It's this piece of utter humility. This marks us because that's just how it is. That's just who we are. We don't have anything better than other people. We don't sin less. We don't have no sin because <laughs> if I have no sin and I stand, it's because Jesus forgiven it all, right? That's the whole message of Christianity is that there's a savior and he found me and he forgave me and I tell it like it is this is what it is you guys I'm saved why am I saved Jesus opened my eyes I I, I was on the path to hell because I was better than you I was more moral than you I was more put together than you I was more intellectual than you I could figure out the Bible better than you I could do it and what a crock of terribleness and finally, Jesus comes in and breaks your heart and opens your eyes. And, and I was playing with fire because my qualification is that I don't have any qualification. I've got mercy. I receive grace. And that's the ground forever. And that's why when we read James today, and we'll close with this, That's why he gives more grace. James is talking about people who aren't doing well, doing rightly. Thinking highly of yourself versus other people. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The humble are we who don't judge because we can't. The judgment would be unworthy me. Bring in the adulterer. Are they not condemned? Well, I am too. Not I was, not now I avoid all that badness. Now I'm good to go. I'm, I'm, I'm charged, man. Now, the danger for you and me is to say, yes, Jesus, I received him, and I'm personally better. I'm personally advanced. I'm not like those guys over there. I need to, yeah, I'm pointing at you, the back corner. I've got holiness, personal holiness. My heart breaks for you when you're like that. My heart breaks when you're looking at other people's sin and condemning because you're the man. You're the woman. Like David caught in adultery, like Peter denying his Savior, like Moses murdering the Egyptian, like Noah drunk on the beach. Don't double down. 
break your heart again over your sin, the ways you fail, the way you're short and lacking a little. And that's where we receive forgiveness because Jesus actually forgives and he's able to open people's eyes and he's able to turn people around. And it's all about him doing it. And we, we're at a place where that's what we testify is that. Not, oh, it's good that you did that. But now let's go work on yourself. I need you to be a little more like a Pharisee. Meganoi. May it never be. May we stay at the cross. May again we just say, okay, when I am broken about other sin and I bring it up because to love someone is to expose them to the light and I say, you know, that's sin right there. I'm sorry, but it is. That I say it with the full acknowledgement, the deep understanding. I'm a sinner too. Together, Would you hear that Jesus paid it all? Would you come again to the cross? Would you realize where we see? We see Jesus. That changes us forever. Let's pray.